Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. We've got a really fun show, a lot to talk to you about when it comes to Georgia football. I do want to start, though, if you don't mind, with just a little bit of a brief favor. There is something going on right now that's totally out of my control, and I am trying to do everything that I can to fix it, which basically means turn to somebody who's smarter than me to see if they can help me for that. For the last two days, our show has not appeared on the Apple podcast player. Now, there's a lot of different ways to listen to podcasts. If you listen via Spotify, for instance, I don't think you've experienced any interruption whatsoever. A lot of you watch on video, or some of you even treat like the video apps as almost like a podcast player there as well. Um, If you're Facebook or YouTube or, you know, some of you listen directly through SoundCloud. If you're connecting with the show in that sort of normal way, you've had no issue whatsoever. If you're listening through Apple, you didn't get the show on Monday, you didn't get the show on Tuesday. And in retrospect, you know, something seemed a little bit weird on Monday, but I just sort of, you know, kind of wrote it off said it must be kind of a holiday thing or whatever else. But then yesterday it became obvious to me that something wasn't quite right. And so I've heard from some of y'all since then of like, DA, what's going on here? So for those of you that reach out, I really appreciate that. And for those of you who are, you know, maybe switching platforms because of the Apple thing and you're aware of all that, I, I certainly appreciate you trying to find our show uh, wherever you can. We're going to get the Apple thing fixed. Hopefully it's going to be fixed today. I can't promise that for sure because it's kind of out of my hand to a degree. Uh, you know, these tech giants being tech giants, sometimes they kind of do what they want to do at their own pace. But we are working to get it fixed if you're normally an Apple listener. Now, here is my request of you today, and I, I hope that you'll help me out with this if you, if, you, if you can. So I try to get something like this out on Twitter to let everybody know, hey, we're having a problem with the Apple player. Uh, and some of you read my tweets and you see that. But frankly, a lot more people listen to the show than follow me on Twitter. So there are a lot of people that um, might not see that tweet, might not know what's going on. They may have just think we just sort of disappeared because all they know of us is what shows up in their podcast player. And if they have the Apple player, that's not there for them right now. So would you do me a favor? We're going to do this like outreach. Remember like Visitation Sunday at your Baptist church when you were growing up? We're going to do a little bit of outreach here for a moment. Um, if you know somebody that likes the show and you assume that they may be listening via podcast, would you mind just reaching out to them and say, hey, B.A. told me to call you, and he told me to tell you that the Apple player is not working. It's going to be working again soon, but it's not working right now. And he said you can listen on Spotify. You can go directly to SoundCloud. We post the show at dognation.com every day. And by the way, we've been doing really well with posting that thing uh, very early in the morning, uh, or not early in the morning, but early in the afternoon, earlier than we once were. So it's there for you that way, obviously, video like YouTube or something like that. So there are a lot of platforms. The Apple platform is going to be back here soon, but it's messed up right now. So if you know somebody that listens to the show and maybe you don't think that person may have seen the tweet that I sent yesterday related to this, would you mind just reaching out to them? It's actually a great way to connect with some of your friends, maybe people you had not talked about in a while, maybe somebody in your family. Just let them know, hey, B.A. said to call you, said it'll be fixed soon. But for now, here's what you can do to kind of go out there and listen to the show. So. Hopefully, we don't ask too much from you, but today I'm going to ask that directly of you. If you can help us get the word out that we're trying like crazy to get this fixed, and we'll let you know when that's all squared away. And for those of you that have kind of traveled around to find us at other places, we certainly appreciate that. Now, that said, we've got to get into the show because we have a very fun show coming up here today. Later on, we've got SEC Network Analyst Matt Stinchcomb that's going to join us. John's with us each and every week. That's Matt's brother. But Matt's also calling the game on the SEC Network on Saturday, so a great chance for us to talk to him. Obviously, Mike Griffith joins us every Wednesday. We'll do that with Mike coming up in a couple of minutes' time there as well. But before any of that, I want to begin this way. 
So yesterday, you finally got something that I think some Georgia fans kind of wanted, which was a little bit of credit for going out and beating Oregon 49-3. to When you drag around a team that came into the game ranked number 11 in the preseason polls, uh, when you beat them 49-3, to you kind of want a little something from that. And some people had kind of told me, hey, B.A., I don't think ESPN's been talking enough about us. Or I don't think, you know, so-and-so, big voice in the sport, is giving Georgia the credit it possibly should for what it did against Oregon. And I kind of understand where some of that kind of stuff comes from from, from time to time. Well, well, yesterday, you did start getting some of that credit. You know, UGA did start getting some of those pats on the back. Georgia moved up because there was a holiday. Remember, that was Monday, a holiday. Uh, the polls just came out yesterday, and Georgia moved up to number two in both those polls. We said going back to the uh, preseason, it was ridiculous that unanimously everybody thought that Ohio State was supposed to be ranked ahead of Georgia. We thought that was silly at the time. Well, in retrospect, maybe that's a correction here because now it's Georgia ranked number two in the coaches poll, ranked number one. I should say ranked number two in the AP poll there as well. Georgia moving up a little bit when it comes to these polls uh, on the heels of what it did to Oregon and maybe a little bit of a lackluster performance for Ohio State. You know, defense played pretty well against Notre Dame, but the offense didn't really, you know, find anything. Game closer than the experts thought it was going to be. That's enough to flip-flop Georgia ahead of Ohio State in the polls, at least for now. Uh, beyond that, some of the big voices that sometimes you think of as being pretty critical of, of, of UGA, uh, like, say, Danny Cannell, noted SEC hater. But even a guy like Cannell was kind of forced to come out and praise Georgia, uh, you know, saying that not only are they number two in the polls right now, he thinks they actually should be higher than that. I think we may have Danny Cannell on Twitter. I can show this to you. He says, if we rank teams the way we should rank them based on resume alone, then Georgia, he says, should be number one. So not only does Georgia move up to number two in the polls, Danny Cannell, noted SEC hater, a guy who's taken plenty of shots at Georgia over the years, uh, all of a sudden now he thinks that, uh, that, that Georgia should be number one. That's how dominant Georgia was there on Saturday. But all of that, rat poison, if you will, moving up to number two in the polls, SEC hater saying you should actually be number one, all of that rat poison sort of pales in comparison to what also happened yesterday with one Dan Mullen, former Florida coach, as big a rival as one can have here when it comes to UGA, the guy that we've taken shots at over and over and over again. But Dan Mullen yesterday, ooh boy, I'm going to show you this first, then I'm going to let you hear some context for why this kind of matters. But Mullen on Twitter putting out now he's a talking head on tv now so he, like every talking head on tv he's got to update his uh his college football playoff rankings each and every week he's got to give you his opinions each and every week so yesterday he kind of put out his college football playoff as if it were right now well first of all he gives you Stetson Bennett saying this was the performance of the week in every situation he showed he can win big games not just manage them so basically Dan Mullins now touting Stetson Bennett for the Heisman and in another tweet I don't know if we have this one or not but in another tweet Dan Mullen was also saying, hey, if the college football playoff were today, he'd have Alabama in there, he'd have Georgia in there, he'd have Michigan in there, he'd have uh, Ohio State in there, and he would actually have Georgia winning the national championship. So keep this in mind. Noted Georgia hater Dan Mullen, noted Georgia rival, nemesis, enemy, if you will, has gone from all the things that he's done in the past and now touting Georgia to make the college football playoff, to, to Stetson winning the Heisman Trophy, it is quite a change from where things used to be. In fact, let's go back in time here for a moment. Let's go back in time to really just a couple of years ago when Dan Mullen wasn't on TV touting, uh, <laughs> t- 
outing UGA when he was the head coach at Florida. And remember, uh, what was it? The the I guess the 2018 spring game, or when he maybe it was 2019 when Florida had their announced spring game attendance and it was the number of days since Georgia won the national championship and oh that was just so funny Dan Mullen leading into the spring game it kind of told the media kind of watch out for this and uh, gave him a little hint that something was coming let's go back in time to a far different era for Dan Mullen as a reminder of just how kind of how juicy it is now that he's forced to uh, to acknowledge just how good Georgia is. This is a very different m- version of Mullen years ago. Well, I want to give away all my tricks. You keep asking, I got tricks up my sleeve for the spring game. If I give them all away now, no one's going to be excited to find them out after. You got to like really search for them and see if you see like little things. I mean, listen to how proud of himself he is right there. Listen to how happy he is with himself. Oh, we got some tricks up our sleeve. Ha ha ha! We're going to do something funny. Y'all watch out for it. You be ready for it when you see it. It's going to be there. And sure enough, the attendance was like, I forget how many thousands or whatever, but it was the number of days since Georgia had won the national championship. And then when Mullen was kind of asked about that, uh, once that little you know cat was out of the bag and it had been revealed, boy, Dan Mullen just so self-satisfied. Thought he was so funny for mocking Georgia for uh, having not won the national championship. Once again, a reminder of a very different version of Dan Mullen. Yeah, there, yeah, there is. I'm going to let you guys figure it out. <laughs> uh, you guys think about it. Get back to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So Mullen goes from just laughing at himself, laughing in particular at Georgia, uh, saying, hey, watch for the spring game. We're going we're gonna to do something funny. Y'all be, y'all be on the lookout for it. Wait till you see it. Then it happens, and boy, just Mullen, just patting himself on the back, thinking that's so funny, thinking it was great they were making fun of UGA, and now he is sitting on TV, comb over, working overtime, trying his best to uh, you know, do the things a talking head on TV is supposed to do, and now he's not making fun of Georgia anymore. Now he's putting him at number one. Not making fun of Georgia anymore. Now he's putting Stetson Bennett the Heisman Trophy. Now all of a sudden now he's decided that, yeah, maybe Georgia really is good. Maybe all those times they were dragging me around the field all those years. Maybe there was a reason they were doing that. Maybe this really is just the best team in the land. Maybe that's what was always true, and maybe I'm just now realizing it. Now, Kirby Smart yesterday was reached for comment on what it was that Dan Mullen had to say about all the things that kind of gone down. How do you feel about the fact that Dan Mullen's now loving on you and thinking you're so great? And here is a little bit of a version of, at least in my mind, what I would imagine Kirby Smart would have said had he heard about all those things from Dan Mullen. Take a listen to this. I offer you a choice. Bend the knee and join me. Together, we will leave the world a better place than we found it. I mean, maybe it's Kirby Khaleesi, right? Maybe he really is telling that message to Dan Mullen. Hey, bend the knee. You should have done it before. Now you got your chance to do it on TV, on Twitter, whatever else. Bend the knee and acknowledge just how good this Georgia Bulldogs team really is. And maybe that's all Dan Mullen's been reduced to now on TV and on social media and everything else. Obviously, though, uh, from a serious standpoint, Georgia's not paying attention to any of this kind of stuff. You know, Kirby's got his own stuff to worry about. Doesn't care about being number two in the polls. He pretty much said that on Monday. You know, doesn't care about what Danny Canal is saying. We kind of make a big deal about stuff like that. Kirby doesn't care. Kirby doesn't care what we say. Uh, Kirby certainly doesn't care what Dan Mullen says about all of this. He is focused in on the preparations that are ongoing for him, not just SEC play, which begins two weeks from now, but even the game against Sanford there on Saturday. And from a more serious standpoint, Smart was talking about that a little bit yesterday, last night, that after what started off as a pretty good week, uh, seemingly for the dogs, 
Smart expressed a little bit of concern here last night. So all the rat poison is in one ear and out the other. For Georgia, it's about getting better, and it sounds like yesterday. Maybe they didn't quite do that. This is this is actual the real version of Kirby, not the Khaleesi version of Kirby. This is the real version of Kirby from yesterday. I thought we had one of our best practices of the year yesterday, and we had one of our worst practices of the year today. So to be honest, I don't know where we are. Um, was really pleased with the way they approached yesterday. We had a lot of competitive periods and had great practice and got a lot of guys better. And then today it was uh, not as enthusiastic. Um, it wasn't to the standard of what we need. So we, we, we got another day tomorrow to get it, get it better. If you're like me, there's almost a little something comforting from Kirby Smart in something like that. That, I mean, honestly, you know, one of the words that Smart used, I think it was yesterday, right? was the notion of maturity. Hey, if we're a mature program, we don't have any external motivation. We're not motivated by somebody saying something bad about us. We're not interested in somebody saying something good about us, that the entirety of our motivation comes on the inside. It comes from, you know, what's inside the players to push themselves to get better. It comes from, you know, whatever's happening internally with the program that we don't have any interest in what's happening outside whatsoever. If we're a mature team, Smart said, I believe it was yesterday, that's what we'll do. And so in the midst of all this here right now, when you are moving up to number two, when a lot of folks are kind of forced to conclude, hey, maybe actually the reigning national champions are actually still good coming back the next year, as crazy as that sounds as an idea, maybe that actually is true, even though a lot of people are sort of late to the game and figuring that out. Once again, Georgia seems unmoved by all of this. If, if anything, the only thing seemingly it's focused on right now is getting better for practice, not because the opponent this Saturday is one that strikes you know fear in your hearts or even if it was that's not what it's about it's about simply getting better day in day out and smart kind of raising that standard no matter who you're playing and no matter what people are saying about you there on the outside so bottom line is this there is plenty of rat poison coming george's way some of it from official polls as the dogs are now moving up to number two a place they at least should have been uh to start with and we think probably number one overall right now there as well Blowhards like Danny Cannell seem to agree with that. Arch nemesis like uh, Dan Mullen, he seems to have been forced to bend the knee and agree with all that there as well. But Georgia's not paying a bit of attention to this. They were good to start the season on Saturday, but they want to be even better in the Saturdays to come. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Breda Pest Management, and happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 96, The Ref. We also start at 945 with our first and 15 on dognation.com, the Dog Nation app. Of course, podcast, we already talked about that. If you're a Spotify person, you shouldn't be bothered by this. A lot of these other kind of, you know, Google Player things like that should all be good. You listen directly through SoundCloud or at dognation.com, you should be rock solid on that too. Apple, it's always going to be something. That's the problem child here for right now. So we're working on that, and let us, let us you know, let you know when it's fixed. But if you can help us by reaching out to some folks you know that might listen via Apple and tell them what's going on, I would certainly appreciate all of that. And by the way, a huge thanks to our friends at Breda Pest Management who make this show possible. Listen, Breda Pest Management is the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. That's a really cool thing to be able to say about your organization. That means they're taking care of Sanford Stadium. They're taking care of all the athletic complexes around UGA. And it's that same level of strength they want to provide to you, too. This is a company that's been doing business in the 1970s, got more than 100 employees, and when you develop all that strength, when you develop all of that, you know, sort of power through resources, one of the best ways in which Breda Pass Management wants to leverage that for you is when it comes to saving you money. Because when you make the switch from whatever, you know, fly-by-night company you may have been working with to our friends at Breda Pass Management, 
they're going to put more money in your pocket for doing so. They can provide you great service, termite protection, and keeping those bugs and critters out of your house, which is what you want here. And they can do it for a better price than when you're currently paying. So check out BredaPest.com for more on that. That's B-R-E-D-A, BredaPest.com. When you make the switch to BredaPest, you're going to save money instantly. So BredaPest man- Management's got you covered. Find them online, BredaPest.com. That's B-R-E-D-A, BredaPest.com. All right. It is Mike Griffith. In just a moment, we'll do a practice report with him presented by our friends at Georgia Farm Bureau. It's former UGA great and SEC network analyst Matt Stinchcomb coming up after that. Before that, though, I want to go around the doghouse here today. And not only did we hear from Georgia coach Kirby Smart, you heard that clip from him a moment ago. Not only did we hear from Smart yesterday, we heard from a couple of Georgia players there, too. And one of these guys, I believe, speaking to us for the first time was outside linebacker Chaz Chambliss. And when Smart was speaking his press conference, you can see the full Smart press conference there. At our Dog Nation YouTube page, you can see the full thing there. One of the things that Smart said about Chambliss was, how he probably hates to do media work because it means he's not getting an extra practice work right now. Apparently, that's something that Chaz enjoys doing each and every day. And so the media asked him, hey, Kirby was saying that you'd like to get extra work in. You'd like to stay after practice and do some extra stuff. What is some of the extra stuff that you're doing? What are you what are you doing when you're staying after at practice? Try to get that extra work in. What that's what 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 is that all about for you? And this is what Chaz said he's working on in those moments. Um, it all depends on the game plan for that week. Um, like depending on what I was good at in practice and what reps I need to get back. Like if I didn't strike good enough after practice, I hit the sleds. If I feel like my pass rush was lacking, then I'll go hit the patch of sleds. And work with coach after practice. It's all dependent on the practice before and the game plan of the week. We do a first and 15 at dognation.com and on the Dog Nation app before our regular show begins. We do it at 945 live every morning. And that's what somebody said they were looking forward to seeing from the game on Saturday against Sam. But, oh, it's a chance to see players play more that we don't always get to see a lot of. And one of those guys is Chas Chambliss. And I think you're reminded about how hard a lot of these guys are working based on what Chambliss is saying right there and based on what Kirby said about him. And I think you're reminded of how much of the college football life is not glamorous. You know, we think of it being this glamorous experience in these days when you got NIL and media attention and, you know, shows like this dedicated to talking about players that it sort of seems like this sort of celebrity lifestyle and things like that. But it's still football, and football's still a grind. And a lot of that happens when there's no media there, when there's no TV cameras there, there's no spotlight there. And you're not just doing it for the gram, you're doing it to get better. And that apparently has been a big part of what Chaz Chambliss is all about. And so seeing more of him on Saturday and you know, kind of seeing more of him in the future, that's something I'm guessing we probably will see because of the, the, the stuff that he's sort of putting himself through right now to be the best version of himself when that opportunity comes. And another guy who's kind of traveled a little bit of a similar path is Kamari Laster at quarterback. That's another guy we heard from yesterday. And Laster to me is a really cool story because it's another example, I believe, of Georgia making something look easy that's actually not as easy as it appears to be. You know, Georgia had a big need to replace kind of an all-SEC level cornerback in Darian Kendrick, and kind of quietly, Laster has seemingly done that. I mean, emphatically won the job. It certainly appeared to be to, to have been the case that he emphatically won that starting job. And he erased a pretty big concern that a lot of dog fans had. At one point in time, the big offseason question was, or one of those big offseason questions was, well, who's going to be that uh, cornerback starting opposite Keely Ringo? That was a source of concern. Well, lo and behold, you know, Laster does what he does. And all of a sudden, it just sort of gets completely erased as an issue. Nobody seems to be worried about it at all. 
And that's a testament to, I think, the work that Laster's done to kind of take that off the table as an issue. Getting his first start there on Saturday, how'd you feel about all of that? Kamari Laster talked about some of that last night. Getting ready for the game, it was it was really fun, you know. We had a lot of passion during that week, you know. It was, uh, it was really fun because just knowing that you get to play against somebody other than yourself, so it was really fun. And um, I say that, you know, the nerves, it was, I had some nerves, but going, once we started playing, playing with my guys, you know, I just relied back on my training. I think it's a fun success story. This is a guy that's kind of emerged from a very crowded field of cornerback candidates to become a starter alongside national championship hero Keely Ringo. And this could be a pretty good tandem for the dogs here this season. One more from Lasseter doing battle every day with those Georgia wide receivers. Big day for the Georgia wideouts against Oregon. This is something Lasseter said that he sees all the time and working against those guys during practice. A lot of praise to the UGA wide receivers from Lasseter. Uh, I believe we have an elite receiving core, you know. We go against these guys every day, and they give us their best effort every day. They make me better every day at practice. So, I mean, and it translates on the field, you know. Our guys out there making plays, and, you know, it's just they're having fun. I mean, so I think that they're elite. You know, they give us their best. We give them we give them our best. They give us their best every day. Strong words there from Kamari Laster and Chas Chambliss. You can see more from both those guys once again on the Dog Nation YouTube page. Busy show for us. Before we're done, we'll talk to Matt Stinchcomb. He's calling the game on Saturday for the SEC Network. We'll look forward to getting ready to do all of that. Also, we'll have some of our early thoughts in the big games of the weekend, not just Georgia against Sanford, but also Florida and SEC play against Kentucky, Alabama on the road against Texas. Uh, think about uh, South Carolina, Georgia's opponent in week three, going on the road to Arkansas. Tennessee on the road as a pretty big favorite against Pitt. We're going to cover all those bases with you, at least briefly before we're done on the show. But yesterday, media got a chance to uh, experience some of Georgia practice. What was seen, what was heard, what's the outlook as Georgia gets ready for its second game of the season coming up on Saturday. Let's do all of that right now with a Georgia Farm Bureau practice report, an insider update with Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation Daily. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. And we'll say hello to uh, Mike Griffith. Happy to have him as a part of our program, Georgia Farm Bureau Practice Report. Mike, you had a chance to see some of that yesterday, sights and sounds from practice. Aftermath of Oregon, looking ahead to uh, Sanford from the FCS in Week 2. What did you observe while watching Georgia practice yesterday? Well, B.A., I didn't go to Georgia practice yesterday. Connor Riley was at Georgia practice yesterday, those, those six minutes typically don't tell me very much, especially about injuries. And I kind of wonder about Christopher Smith right out of the gate. I know Kirby says he's fine. I know Smith says it's just a stinger. But to me, this is the most irreplaceable guy on the football team. I don't think there's another guy that can step into his shoes and play that position like Christopher Smith plays it. I mean, watching him flash on that interception, uh, I mean, that, that was big-time football. Big-time football, big-time 22-yard return. A guy that can come up and hit, a guy that's good in coverage. Uh, you know, the way he collapsed to the ground when after first getting up, really scary moment. And you just hope that there's nothing structural. Um, you know, guys play through hurt and pain all the time. They get treatment all year. And Kobe Dean was, was getting treatment his entire last year. I mean, he was living in the training room. That's tough on those kids. It, has a, it could potentially have a wear-down effect. And you wonder with Christopher – with a job that he's asked to do back there, uh, you know, how it could potentially affect his play if there's something wrong. Um, you know, Kirby says there's not, but let's be honest. Kirby Smart gets paid to hide injuries, and players get paid to, to play. I mean, we can say that now, right? So I, I, 
I want to monitor that. I want to see if or how much he plays in this next game. I think this will be a good gauge. I mean, if, if he's out there playing and full go, then, then yeah, he's probably fine. But if his playing time's limited uh, or, if he, uh, or if he's held out, then that's something definitely to monitor more. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the kind of thing that Smart's typically pretty coy about. In other words, I think that he reported that uh, that Smith had been a full go at practice. But as you said, Mike, it seems that we've had a long track record of some of these injuries ended up being a little bit more serious than sometimes they're led on to be. So we'll watch that in the case of Smith. And this is also one of the things that you kind of earn for yourself when you go out and beat a team like Oregon 49-3, to competition at least from a you know sort of a – metric standpoint gets a little bit easier in future weeks that if Georgia wants to rest Smith and get him most ready for the games it needs him most which obviously going to come you know November into the end of the season then I think that Georgia has earned the right to do that I think that Smith is an important player on this Georgia roster and if if this week or maybe even next week you know if, if you need to rest him or if you need to limit him then I think you've earned the right to do that by what you went out there and did there in week one. He's an incredibly important player for Georgia, but he's probably more important for Georgia, certainly in the second half of the season, than he is in the first half of the season. Yeah, and you want to build depth. You know, Remember, this is a team that's a reloaded team or a rebuilding team, whatever your semantics. I mean, there's a lot of young guys out there that are competing for playing time, and, and Kirby's in a bit of an overhaul mode. I mean, 15 guys all on NFL rosters, by the way. I mean, that's impressive, right? Another 13 guys out in the portal, many of them that could have been in the two deep. So very important to get those backups playing time, and certainly uh, Sanford will give that opportunity. Uh, everybody gets a gold star when you play a, a, a terrible opponent like this. And it's, it's, a tough, it's a tough gig for the Georgia home fans. This home schedule is not attractive. Um, unfortunate, very unfortunate. I saw Athens rated uh, the number two best college town in the country. And, and uh, you know, just unfortunate home schedule this year. Uh, beyond that, Mike, when you look at the game on Saturday, what else are your expectations for Sanford? There's not a lot of ways you can break down the game. I mean, George is a 50-plus point favorite. I'm not asking you to, yeah. to get too deep into that. But I would be curious to know a couple of things that you're looking for, you expect to see, uh, hope to see, you think Georgia fans should want to see. What's on your mind about this game coming up against the other Bulldogs? Well, just how does Georgia approach it? What does Kirby want to do? I mean, and let's be honest, they can do whatever they want. They can run whatever play they want. They can run whatever scheme they want. They can run whatever defense, offense, personnel. You know, you you, you can pick the 22 worst players on the team and they'd still be, you know, 10 touchdowns better than Sanford. That means Kirby's going to score that many points because he, he typically doesn't like to run it up. Um, so how does Georgia approach it, right? How many times do they want to throw it? I put a little poll out there on my Twitter at Mike Griffith 32 how many times is Stetson Bennett going to throw it? Not not how many times does he have to throw it. He, he, they, they could run the ball exclusively and win by 10 touchdowns. But how many times does Kirby want Stetson to throw it? What's the what's the plan for him to come out of the game? Or is it? Do you keep him out there four quarters? Or do you pull him after three? Do you pull him at halftime? How much work do you give Carson Beck? How much work do you give Brock Vandegrift? Uh, you know, you, does Gunnar Stockton get into the game for that matter? How about Will Muschamp's kid? This would be a good opportunity to play him. I, you know, does Eric Gilbert get more targets? Does he play a prominent role? Uh, do we? How much difference do we see in the secondary? There's a lot of young guys that you know. Kirby needs to build some depth. You know, the the Dalen Everett's right. I heard Nyland Green's got a hamstring. Is he going to be out? Is he in? Uh, is Barry Alexander going to earn any playing time? Kirby not happy with his effort in practice. A lot of hype for. The, we wrote a million stories on this guy, and he, he can't even practice hard. Kirby's saying so. You know, how does the team grow? Do, do we see Chaz Chambliss? We saw him at a press conference last night. Is that a sign? Smile Monday did not tackle well. They ran through him all day. Not not a good tackler. 
So what happens is Kirby continues to chisel away at what we think could be another national championship team based on the ceiling they showed in that opener. Um, you know, Kirby's going to work on these guys, though, Brandon. You know that. He is, he is very unsettled. He was very upset about practice yesterday. And uh, these guys got some hard work left ahead. And, um, you know, the ones that, that do the hard work are going to be rewarded with playing time Saturday. One of the things I was kind of thinking about, Mike, is it was, you know, this time a year ago, week two, that Georgia had this sort of eye-popping, record-setting uh, offensive day against UAB. And, you know, obviously opponent matters here when it comes to Sanford. But if they were able to do something like that again, couple that with what they also did in week one, you're talking about through two weeks in the season, seeing Georgia and kind of the – offensive sort of power ratings or efficiency ratings, whatever stats you care about on that. I mean, it would be a chance after two weeks to see Georgia higher in that category than you've probably seen them in quite some time, if not maybe ever, if it's sort of a typical Georgia versus FCS type game that you would all of a sudden be looking at some pretty rarefied air for Georgia in terms of how it ranks nationally on the offensive side of the ball, something you haven't always gotten a chance to say. Yeah, no question. Um, you know, the only thing I would say about that is you wonder, you know, throwing the ball around kind of stretches the game out. And and does Kirby is Kirby going to change his philosophy? Like I said, that's the question. Does he does he feel the need to show everybody that Georgia can play offensive football? I mean, after the game uh, in the press conference, he's, boy, that, doesn't that look like a fun offense to play in? I mean, I, I don't think he was telling that to the media. I think he was reaching out to recruits. I mean, Arch Manning picked another school couple of great receivers uh you know just uh, georgia went somewhere else i think kirby realizes that georgia has a little bit of an image problem with their passing game on the recruiting trail and he can fix that it's really easy let your quarterback throw the ball now that comes at a cost right it comes at a cost in terms of stretching the game out kirby doesn't like to run up the score he feels he said after the game once again that he didn't feel like they had great depth at the skill positions uh receiver running back specifically uh so how many touches are, are those guy's going to get it. He, he's talking about limiting Lad Bacocchi a little bit, um, not overusing him. Uh, so you, you just kind of wonder how much youth we see, how many passes we see. You know, what's, what's the game? What's the goal? What is the goal for Kirby Smart in this game? Is it, as you, as you uh, point out, which, which makes good sense to me, is it to run up some numbers and, and maybe change the conversation about Georgia football, that maybe this isn't just some you know, plotting offense that plays to their defense, as, as they often did last year, which it was a championship defense, so that made sense. Or is this is Kirby turned the page and said, you know what, we're going to have to start throwing the ball around if we're going to get, uh, you know, five-star, more five-star quarterbacks and more five-star receivers. I want to ask you some more about the Oregon game here in a moment. Let me remind folks, though, this is our Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update with Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation Daily. And, of course, Georgia Farm Bureau, the one you know, because they live, they work, and they do life in communities just like yours and mine all across the great state of Georgia. So when you think about auto insurance needs, when you think about home insurance needs, I want you to think about Georgia Farm Bureau because they understand as a Georgian what you're doing each and every day. You're driving to work. You're taking care of your family. That means you need good auto insurance coverage on that vehicle that gets you where you need to go and then in some respects is kind of like the source of your livelihood or it comes to your home, you know, these are the, the collection of your best memories, but also in some respects, maybe your most important investment, your most important asset. Once again, good insurance protection on that home, so important. Georgia Farm Bureau understands that. They are a Georgian just like you. They are in Georgia just like you. They've obviously taken care of our agriculture and farming community for a long time, but they take care of all Georgians there as well. They are always the home team, and they've got great options available to you when it comes to your insurance needs. So check them out online at gfbinsurance.com. That's gfbinsurance.com. Mike, by this point, we've certainly all had our turn talking about what happened against Oregon. I guess I'm curious for you. This will be kind of one of our final times to sort of talk about this game before we fully turn the page there on that. 
what else kind of stood out to you about a uh, very thorough dismantling of the Oregon Ducks in Atlanta on Saturday? Well, I mean, the game plan was unbelievable. I mean, the, the, the quick passes, uh, I think what was impressive was what happened after the passes, right? You throw those quick uh, passes out on the perimeter and you watch guys like Kenny McIntosh and Ed McConkie and, uh, you know, in the open field. I think Kenny McIntosh was everything that, that we thought he would be. Um, you know, nine catches, 116 yards. He was, he was really dazzling in the open field, um, as dangerous as anybody, certainly McConkie as well. A lot of yards after the catch. Um, you know, but Stetson, you know, made some throws that he hasn't made before. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, now you see how well he wasn't that last year. You know, I talked with Jim Nagy about it, the senior bowl guy. Yeah, he didn't make those throws. He didn't throw that deep out. But, boy, he put one on a Donnie Mitchell on a rollout to the left. That was a beautiful play. Um, you know, that third and 11 conversion pass that he had to Marcus Rosemey Jackson on an intermediate deep out route on that opening drive. Uh, you know, incredible throw. Great timing. Uh, you know, the decision to throw a couple passes away, I mean, Noah Sewell's, it flashes in his face, and he's able to run away and get rid of the ball, avoid a seven, eight-yard sack, or avoid an interception. You know, a lot of the decision-making that were concerns for Kirby Smart, and I don't know how many times Kirby Smart called him a bonehead last year, uh, but obviously it's gotten through because I thought Stetson uh, played as well as, as I've seen any Georgia quarterback play in a long time. So I was impressed with his performance. I was impressed with the execution. Uh, I was impressed with the skill position players. The line play wasn't as dominant as you think. You don't see George get outrushed very often, especially in a game they lose. Or excuse me, a game that they win. Um, so th- there's some concern. There, there's there's some red flags in there. But the execution uh, was so good. I mean, my goodness, they scored on their first seven drives, Brandon. Uh, there hasn't been an SEC team that's done that in four years. Think about that. Uh, that that would include what Mac Jones and Joe Burrow, right? Mm-hmm. They weren't able to do that. So in a pandemic year, where nobody was playing defense, by the way. Yeah, and, and I and by the way, I, and I think and I think Oregon's. A, I'm going to say it. I think Oregon's a pretty good team. I think Oregon's going nine or ten games. I think Oregon's a top twenty-five team. I think Oregon would probably be the fifth or sixth best team in the SEC. I just think Dan, uh, you know, outthought himself. You know, he said, you know what, we're going to force Georgia uh, to throw the ball in the perimeter. We're going to shut down the rush lanes in the play-action game. We're going to make Stetson throw it downfield, and then in the off-season, uh, Todd Munkin said, you know what, they're going to do. They're going to force to throw it outside. They're going to shut down the play-action game in the middle, and we're going to game plan for it. And it was checkmate. Uh, you know, Todd Munkin did a tremendous job. I thought Kirby Smart did a great job with the defense. I mean, I, Bo Nix isn't a bad quarterback. He isn't. He's a good quarterback. He extends plays. He's athletic. But you held that guy out of the end zone. That's, to me, remarkable. That's really remarkable. That defense, the scheme was a little different than Dan probably thought. Uh, not as many pressures because Oregon had a game plan to get away from the pressures. But, um, you know, just across the board, the, the game plan – was outstanding, and uh, and they executed even though they weren't as physically dominant as the scoreboard might indicate. Uh, Mike, thanks for being here. Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update. Appreciate your time. Look forward to reading more from you at dognation.com. And, of course, chat with you again very soon here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management as well. Appreciate it, Brandon. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. We're about five minutes away from Matt Stinchcomb, SEC Network Analyst, calling the game on Saturday. We'll get his thoughts on the dogs coming up then. Before that, though, we are cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, obviously getting ready for that great cruise with Dog Nation coming up this spring. Our good friend Jessica Slater helping us out with that. If you go to the website royaldogs.com, that's royaldogs.com, you can find out all about this, when we're going, uh, uh, that, that entire great experience related to all that, onboard Independence of the Seas in April, 
uh, visiting Nassau, visiting Coco Cay, perfect day Coco Cay, and really getting ready for a great experience, kind of culminating on that final night with the NFL draft in 2023, much the same way it did back in 2022. It's going to be an unbelievable experience. And my encouragement to you is, hey, don't wait till April of 2023 to take your next Royal Caribbean cruise. I'll have taken two Royal Caribbean cruises by the time we get on board next April. So your time to do that there too. And of course, Jess can help you all that. But when you think about what's going down with the Dog Nation cruise, if you go to royaldogs.com, you can learn more about that. Onboard Independence of the Seas, all the fun stuff to do, especially restaurants, Playmaker Sports Bar and Grill, all the cool stuff there. It's royaldogs.com, or you can call Jessica directly, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. All right, want to bounce around here and cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. So yesterday there was a little bit of a dust-up at a Notre Dame, excuse me, former Notre Dame coach, but now at LSU. A little bit of a dust-up at the LSU press conference involving Brian Kelly. You may have seen video of this. Uh, there was a reporter that walked in late as Kelly was doing his opening remarks. Kelly got, you know, an attempt at humor here where he talked about the reporter being late. I believe it was she. She kind of fired back with, I'll be on time if you uh, start winning games or something along those lines. I don't know that anybody looks great in this situation, to be honest with you, but it's worse for it's worse for Kelly because he's trying to establish something here at LSU. And this is the kind of thing you just have to be really, really careful with. I mean, you just have to be really careful with this. Uh, you go back and watch Kirby Smart in 2016 when he first became Georgia coach. There were a lot of ugly moments. Georgia had some really bad games in 2016. And when Georgia had a bad moment in 2016, Kirby Smart showed almost no ego after that. Never got tested with reporters, never did anything but sat there and take his medicine because in the SEC, when you win, you can do whatever you want. And when you lose, you better keep quiet. Brian Kelly doesn't seem to know that. And even if he was trying to joke and he had kind of a joke that kind of came back at him, this still just sort of adds to that sort of compounding story of a little bit of a bumpy start for Kelly with his LSU tenure. He's a good coach. LSU's a great program. But if Kelly's ego gets in the way, he will prevent success at LSU that would otherwise come for him because every coach at LSU wins. But you have to let the process play out. You have to sort of feed the machine the SEC. I'm just not quite so sure Kelly knows that. I, I don't think he's comfortable in his own skin. He probably doesn't have a ton of friends. When he tries to make jokes, they almost always come across sort of clunky and sort of ham-handed. That's the kind of person that doesn't have a lot of friends that typically has a hard time sort of engaging with jokes and sometimes trying to be funny and not. It's the perfect sign of that. Another example of that from Brian Kelly yesterday. It's not a big deal, but it will be added to other things and it becomes kind of like the the litany, the long list of sort of miscues for him in the early stages of his career and to sort of have any kind of like joking around in a press conference after what was really kind of an embarrassing showing on Sunday night. It's just a it's just a misread of the situation, the kind of thing that that Kelly's going to have to keep his ego in check regards to. There are a couple of SEC stories we haven't talked about enough yet. I want to kind of hit those in sort of rapid fire fashion. We're going to do kind of a little bit of an SEC roundup here for a moment. One of the things that kind of get lost from week one is what happened with Texas A&M. And the quarterback that was selected, Haynes King, to be the starter there for A&M did not play particularly well. Max Johnson was the guy that transferred in from LSU. A lot of folks thought he would be the starter, but he didn't win that job. Now, Jimbo Fisher obviously sees what's going on there each and every day. He would obviously have a reason to pick King. And prior to his injury, he had picked King a year ago there as well. But, man, this guy throws a lot of interceptions, a lot of interceptions. He threw some more there on Saturday there, too. A game that A&M won easily, but, but, you know, King was not sharp. And so what we've said is, hey, look at these talented teams that don't know who their quarterback is. 
can we pair a quarterback with an overall talented roster? And if you do, you may have a dangerous team. And A&M's one of the teams that could be that. But I don't know right now that King is necessarily that guy. Another quarterback that was not maybe perfect there on Saturday. I don't, I don't read too much into that with Spencer Rattler. Uh, South Carolina did win against Georgia State, won 35-14, but had to have a few huge plays in special teams just to build that score. Early going, a little bit shaky there for Rattler there on that. Um, I ex- actually expect Spencer to kind of bounce back, play better at Arkansas on Saturday. But for now, that's kind of worth considering. Not a great day maybe for Rattler in his debut there for the Gamecocks. And then one more thing I'll tell you to watch for. Missouri won easily against uh, Louisiana Tech on Saturday. At least eventually it became easy. A little bit scuffle to start with, but uh, ended up being a 52-24 final. That's 2-0 now for Missouri, a team that most of us would have kind of power rated as among the worst in the SEC. I'm not saying you should do much with that opinion right now, but keep your eye on Missouri a little bit. Uh, we know that Luther Burden, the wide receiver, is pretty impressive. 2-0 start for uh, the Tigers. Maybe worth watching, maybe being slightly better than anticipated because Louisiana Tech's no pushover necessarily, and it's a pretty comfortable final margin of victory there for uh, Missouri on that. Uh, Kentucky's got the big game on Saturday against Florida. Uh, a little bit of suspension issue that we don't fully know the answer to yet there yet. Also an injury to another running back, Ramon Jefferson. Uh, that's a pretty big blow to Kentucky, not just for Saturday against uh, Florida, but for the uh, season there as well. Kentucky dealing with a little bit of an injury setback there. And then Pat McAfee, who's got a million jobs already, was also announced yesterday as one of the new hosts of ESPN College Game Day. So he's on SmackDown every Friday night. He's going to be on Game Day every Saturday. (laughs) In a lot of ways, he's kind of living the life that I wish I was living because those are two pretty cool jobs to be able to do on back-to-back days. But nonetheless, uh, Pat McAfee kind of stepping into a bigger role there on Game Day. He was on there years ago, and now I guess he's back. So good news for him. And, of course, speaking of great analysts, as we trying to transition from cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean to another one. How about our uh, good friend Matt Stinchcomb from the SEC Network? He's got the call on Saturday for Georgia against Sanford back in a stadium that he obviously knows well between the hedges. And he joins us here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Breda Past Management. Matt, thanks for your time, and we appreciate you being on the show here today. Yeah, man, fired up to be here. Excited to be in Sanford Stadium Saturday. I'm sure that you are, like the rest of us, pretty impressed with what you saw against Oregon. And I guess as you sort of look ahead to what you're going to see this Saturday, what is your overall assessment of the dogs here at the moment? Well, I don't know that we saw a more impressive performance in week one. I uh, can't think of one that you could point to. Now, there have been others that might have been more important uh, from a victory standpoint. I think Florida getting the win over Utah was huge for that program and year one under Billy Napier. But none were more impressive. I mean, that was an emphatic victory and a statement win. And it's as evidenced by what we saw in the poll. Now, this poll, as most early season, even preseason polls are, uh, completely nonsensical in a lot of areas. Uh, but in others where you're like, okay, they got this part right. Um, I'll be interested to see how Oregon finishes the year. I think they'll play relatively well. I think Utah will finish the year pretty well. I don't know how good the Pac-12 is, though. Yeah. Um, and so I do think that Georgia could not have played better. Um, I do think that their opponent certainly could have played much better. It didn't. And so it does, I think, kind of change, relatively speaking, uh, how you might perceive week one. That said, you can only control what you can control. I can't make you play better. All I can do is handle how I uh, perform on this day or in this contest. And by and large... Georgia acquitted itself very well, especially on offense. That wasn't perfect. 
uh, by any stretch. Uh, a couple loose hats, uh, defenders unaccounted for uh, in protection, and a couple of the runs. However, um, you're able to get a lot of guys, new faces along the offensive front and defensively. Yeah, you leaked some yards, but you got key stops. And I want to say Oregon was only in Georgia territory three times the yeah. entire game. So uh, an impressive win, to say the least. So Stetson Bennett's one of the guys that comes out of the game on Saturday being the most talked about. You know, good year for him a year ago, obviously Georgia National Championship, but from a kind of statistical performance and I guess control of the game performance, what we saw on Saturday seems to be a little bit of a different step forward for him in comparison to maybe where he was even at the end of last season, National Championship game, things like that. Was this kind of a coming out party, you think, for Bennett? Was this a realization of how good he is and maybe he just wasn't getting the credit for that before? Is this an example of kind of a week one overreaction where we're making too much out of, you know, one data point? What was your evaluation of Bennett in particular? Because he was certainly one of the most talked about players after the game. Yeah, I think for many he was a coming out party, which was a shame because, you know, we'd like to stick to our preconceived notions. Um so there's a lot of folks out there that just were insistent that any and all success that the Georgia offense, and specifically the quarterback position with Stetson Bennett uh, out there on the field, was owing to this elite Georgia defense. Georgia had an elite defense, no doubt, but that defense didn't complete a single pass. And I think this was a natural evolution that makes total sense when we look at it this is the first time Stetson Bennett headed into a season as the guy. And this was the first time in a long time where Georgia had stability. And by that, I mean three seasons where Georgia had stability in a known commodity at quarterback. You know, last year we all thought, oh, JT Daniels finished the year. Therefore, he is the guy. He was injured. It lasted, what, three games? And instability was reintroduced to the quarterback spot. It's not easy to build your offense, and especially your passing game, when you've got turbulence at the quarterback position. And when you look at last year, you did not have a healthy wide receiving core. You did have inexperienced receivers being forced into the lineup to play meaningful snaps. And thankfully, Georgia will now be able to reap the benefits of having been forced to do that you won a national championship despite all that, and now many of those same players are experienced and they're catching passes in an offense that is being run by a quarterback that is the guy. It's practice reps. Stetson Bennett has been getting practice reps with the ones consistently for the first time ever. That's huge, and I think that it's uh, natural to expect this offense to be that much better and for his performance to be that much better i'll finish with this i think one of the things that's going to be kind of a season-long story is the kind of the beauty contest between like say alabama ohio state you mentioned earlier georgia's now leapfrogged ohio state in the polls you know i don't know how much of alabama against utah state you saw i don't know how much of uh, notre dame and ohio state that you saw but but how do you kind of compare Georgia to its chief national championship competition based on your sort of preseason perception of those teams and now kind of what you've seen through one game from all three of those teams on the field? Yeah, well, I think if you didn't have a preseason poll, which is completely unnecessary for things other than, you know, stuff like what we do, sure, um, 
then Georgia would far and away be the number one team in the country. There, it wouldn't even be a conversation. You know, Oregon is better than Utah State. And Notre Dame, Ohio State was a game longer than most anticipated that it would be with so many new faces and a rookie head coach. There, there's no doubt that the victory that Georgia put together in week one would say Georgia should be the number one team in the country in the quote-unquote week two rankings. Thankfully, it means nothing. Yeah, We act like it does, but it doesn't. But, I, but it really, if we're looking at it and if we're just talking about the that have already happened and we receive notions, then Georgia's the best team in the country right now, right? Based on football, I don't think there's any question. A dominant performance versus a team that's thought to contend for a conference title, perhaps? Man, it doesn't get much better than that. Well, speaking of great performances, you always provide one of the SEC Network every time you're calling one of these games. We're happy to have you back doing the dogs again on Saturday. And, Matt, we appreciate you spending some time here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management today. So we'll see you in Athens, and uh, look forward to your call. And, uh, obviously, always appreciate your insight on the dogs. Brandon, thanks for having me on. You do a great job. Hey, thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. So good stuff there, Matt Stinchcomb from the SEC Network, getting ready for Georgia and Samford coming up on Saturday. That's always a lot of fun. Of course, we love uh, Matt's brother, John, who, of course, joins us each and every Monday as well. It's a lot of Stinchcomb here this week on Dog Nation Daily, and that is never a bad thing. Uh, Indeed, that is the case. Also, later on this week, hope you'll get ready to tune in to our Go With The Flow presented by R.S. Andrews. We make our picks for the week, and the lines we use on those games coming courtesy of our friends at MyBookie. So with that in mind, let me give you a couple of early thoughts on some of these games right now. We call this kind of our My Bookie Best Bet segment here on Dog Nation Daily. So here are the games we're picking here this week. And we're using 52 for Georgia against Samford. A couple of the books, that's where they have it at. Uh, we got uh, Texas getting 20 at home against Alabama. Florida as a five-point favorite right now against Kentucky. Pitt as a six-and-a-half-point favorite against Tennessee. Although if you look in some plays, you're going to see that number even higher now more like seven probably so that's key number difference there on that south carolina arkansas that number's going to bounce around eight eight and a half but we had it at eight we kind of locked these numbers in for the week here are my quick thoughts there on this uh georgia's actually probably been a little bit better against the spread against fcs foes than you kind of think they've at least been right kind of right on the number plenty of times if not always the outright cover but you don't see a lot of scuffling for georgia when it comes to fcs level opponents although uh, the last time it played against Sanford in 2017, it was a little bit of a closer score. So just keep that in mind is that, you know, Georgia's actually probably done a little bit better against FCS foes than you might imagine. Uh, I think that Texas is interesting against Alabama for this reason. Typically speaking, in week ones, we've seen Alabama, neutral site, non-conference foe, they've dominated that, and that's been about the biggest sure thing you can imagine. But another kind of semi-sure thing for Alabama is – a little bit of a sleepwalk performance shortly after that. Last year, that came against Florida. In previous years, that's come in losses to Ole Miss. So this is a little bit different schedule template for Alabama. They didn't play the big game week one. They played Utah State. So in week two, is this the Alabama sleepwalk, which we oftentimes get in September, or is this the Alabama domination, which we usually get in week one against a non-conference foe? 
be very careful here about trying to decide which version of Alabama you get. You almost always get a dominant non-conference, but you almost always get a little bit of a sluggish game somewhere in September. It's going to be on the road, going to be 100 degrees, going to be you know, uh, you know, a little bit of as hostile an environment as the folks in Austin are capable of creating. My guess is this is more of the Alabama from the week one variety, but at least keep that in mind. This is a little bit different spot than we're used to seeing Bama in. I've told you this before. Florida as a five-point favorite against Kentucky is a total overreaction. In the summer, you could have found this at three. Uh, on Sunday, you could have found this, like if you wanted to bet Kentucky, this was the time to do it, around kind of like the plus seven, something along those lines. It's settled in since then, you know, around five here, but that's still too many points. Florida may win the game. They probably will. But five, I believe, is a lot of points here in this instance. That's kind of a blind take on Kentucky for me at that price. I think that Tennessee could be a very live favorite on the road at Pitt. Uh, I think this could be an opportunity for uh, the Vols to send a little bit of a message to a Pitt team that just won a rivalry game on the Thursday prior to this. So uh, I think the Vols are probably worth a little bit of a look here. And then South Carolina at Arkansas. My guess is we'll give you more of the, uh, you know, kind of the trends on this when we get ready for uh, go with the flow later on this week. I'm sort of guessing the entire world kind of lines up behind Arkansas on that. And I would be very careful about being too quick to rubber stamp here at that price, eight points above the key number of seven. I'd keep my eye on the Gamecocks there a little bit, at least in terms of keeping it closer than the experts think. And, of course, you want to get action down on those games. You can go to our friends at MyBookie. It's winning season at MyBookie. And you can take advantage of a great offer for Dog Nation daily listeners and viewers. When you use the promo code DOGNATION, you're going to get a 100% deposit bonus. That means you put in $250 into your account at MyBookie when you open it up. They're going to give you $250 there as well. You literally have $500 in your account. You're a winner before you even place your first bet with more money than you started off with. In fact, double what you put in. That's what my bookie does for you. They take care of their players. They've been famous for that for a long time, and they want to take care of you there as well. You can bet on anything, anywhere, anytime. College football, get the pros coming back on Thursday night, and, of course, on Sunday there as well. All of that with our friends at MyBookie. So use the promo code DOGNATION. Uh, get your deposit and your account opened up, and they're going to give you a 100% deposit on top of that. Money line, spread bets, you want props, you want to start you know, getting ready for the NFL stuff. You can do all that with our friends at MyBookie, so make sure you check that out. Also, one more thing to tell you about before we wrap up for today. Don't forget that on Friday, we'll be back with you for our big finish presented by the Finish Long Drink. We love the weekend around here. We love especially football weekends. And for us, the Finish Long Drink, big part of those weekend plans. And we want to see you doing the same thing there as well. A lot of you were loving the Finish Long Drink at our dognation.com tailgate this past Saturday. And I was certainly enjoying seeing all of that. And so if you've got some photos of yourself enjoying the Finish Long Drink, send them to me. I'll show them on the screen here. And we'll all have a really good time with the finished long drink. Big part of our tailgates each and every week in Athens or wherever the dogs happen to be playing and a big part of whatever you're doing there too. So share those with me. You can hit me up on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily and we'll show you off as a part of our big finish presented by the finished long drink coming up here on Friday right here on Dog Nation Daily. And as we wrap up here today, of course, golden shoe style, always fun to be able to do that. We were talking with Matt Stinchcomb a moment ago, a very strong statement from him about Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett getting some Heisman love here right now. In fact, that's the theme of our golden shoe here today. Uh, it used to be that it was Stetson Bennett, then he was uh, Stequavius Bennett, maybe he still is. Uh, but how about uh, our buddy uh, 
uh, the Southern gentleman says, I'm changing his name to Studson Bennett. He's the chairman of the Pappy Heisman Award Committee. Obviously, Pappy Van Winkle, the uh, bottle of bourbon that he was famously chugging at the national championship. So no longer Studson Bennett. He's Studson Bennett now. So the Southern gentleman weighs in on that. We'll give him a golden shoe for doing so. Gator, hater, updater, no studs down there. Uh, 4,990 days since they've won a national championship. And our Gator Hater countdown, 52 days from right now. Dogs back in Jacksonville, beating up on Florida again. Also, check out dognation.com's, uh, 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 or I should say dognation.store, and you can get one of those Eddie t-shirts. You see the oil painting there, the beautiful painting of Eddie. You want to celebrate Eddie, you can get one of those yourself here. Uh, when you go to dognation.store, get your Eddie t-shirt. Uh, really fun stuff and a great way for you to show the world how much of a Gator hater you really are. And, of course, we'll see you tomorrow on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. And I don't want to beat your head over, or I should say beat you over the head with this, but I do want to touch on, again, what I said off the top of the program, because you guys are all podcast listeners, of course. We do have the issue with Apple right now, and I've got a lot of people working on this to try to help me. Um, one of these days, maybe we can get Apple to cooperate, although I never know if that's going to happen there or not. But uh, we're going to try to get this fixed and get it happening as quickly as possible. But in the meantime, I do want you to help me let folks know, because that's always the hardest thing is that, you know, some of you are very plugged in to everything that's going on. You're very well aware of all the other platforms. But a lot of people are just kind of locked into their thing. And I get this. If you're busy and you kind of consume the show one way, it's like to have to learn a new thing or go to a platform that you don't spend a lot of time on. I, I can totally get how that's inconvenient. So we want to try to be as... Um, as accessible and convenient as we possibly can be. And our oldest, one of our, if you want to call it this kind of legacy platform, having a little bit of an issue with Apple right now. So we're going to see if we can get that fixed and just help us let folks know that's what's ongoing. I'll also take a couple of comments here, there as well. Um, now, Frederick Meredith also, also kind of weighing in, we talked about before when it comes to the playoff bracket that Dan Mullen put out, where he had Georgia playing Michigan again. In Alabama playing Ohio State, Ohio State beating Bama, Georgia beating Michigan, then Georgia beating Ohio State for the national championship. You know, who knows who would win between Ohio State and Alabama? Maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. Frederick seems to think that Bama would win that game. But can you imagine, though, if it's Georgia-Michigan in the playoff again, which it entirely could be. I mean, Michigan's one of the top-ranked teams, and, you know, Michigan's getting a little bit of love right now. But imagine trying to sell that to a national audience. Hey, you saw Georgia-Michigan a year ago, and now you're going to see it again, except this time Michigan's missing its two best players from last year's team. So the blowout loss may be even worse this time around, but this was the best we could find as far as an opponent for UGA goes. I mean, can you imagine trying to uh, trying to sell that? Not an easy thing there at all. Not an easy thing whatsoever. Um, so... Yeah, there you go. Uh, Brian Ellering also kind of weighing in on the Atlanta Braves and what they're doing right now in the National League East. And it's, it's an exciting thing to be able to see. It's a lot of fun to be able to watch. Last fall, we had a great time watching Georgia marching towards the championship while the Braves simultaneously were doing the same thing. And you sort of get the impression this fall is at least going to feel somewhat similar. Now, we don't know how it ends. But we know how it feels right now, and it feels pretty good for fans of both teams. So thanks for being here for the podcast, Cool Down. Y'all help us get the word out about the Apple deal. And we will see you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by uh, Breda Pest Management. We'll look forward to talking to you then.